going on, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another edition of the Degenerate here on the Arrowhead Live podcast. I am Johnny Kane. Joining me once again, Dustin Gosa. And Dustin, it's another week, another edition of the Degenerate. And also, it sounds like sports are slowly making a comeback with NHL and are now approving their playoff schedule going forward. NASCAR's had a couple of races. And it seems like slowly but surely we're getting our sports back. Yeah, you just said it right there, Johnny. Slowly but surely. I'm, I'm thinking... You know, hopefully here mid-July, late July, maybe even early August, we get all of our sports back and they finally say that we're going to have a football season, you know, with all the, the scheduling coming out and everything, you'd figure that they'd start putting together times. And But like you said, it's just nice having something to, to watch on the weekends, you know, instead of just old sitcoms and stuff like that. You know, sports are back, even if it is NASCAR and golf, but a lot of us usually don't don't like watching or even if you do like watching, it's not something that you would prefer to turn on on Sunday afternoon, but I mean, slowly but surely, they're coming back. I know it was a big weekend getting back into the betting for a lot of people. I know we had the match with Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. I know that was a big, heavily bet bet on match, and also we had the NASCAR. So slowly we're getting back into also being able to bet on some things. I know that's exactly what this show to the generates kind of based off of, being able to bet on certain things like that. I know that the match was a big one. It was the most viewed golfing event that you know we've had in quite ever, actually. So, I mean, that was a big one over the weekend. It just kind of seems like... Us guys that are degenerates, like we just said on this show, we're starting to get back and get our love of the game and love of betting back as well. Yeah, and this weekend it was it was a bit of a scare down in, in South Florida with all the, the rain and everything. Nobody really thought the, the match was going to continue, and by the end of it, it was pitch black there. It didn't look like it on the, the screen, but it's amazing what you know TV cameras can do nowadays, but... Like you said, it was a very heavily bet on match, almost as heavily bet on as the Tiger versus Phil match number one. And I really think it's because it gave people something to actually look forward to and watch. And who doesn't like, you know, two of the best on the on the green go at it with one another. And you talk about that, just having something to bet on, too. I think that's what a lot of people are wondering, you know, when Major League Baseball, when the NBA is going to make that comeback. Because I know a lot of people look at just even the NBA the NBA could be dominating the sports world right now. If they could come back and maybe have another week before the playoffs, then get into the playoffs and go into that and have the full playoffs of the NBA. I feel like the NBA is kind of missing out on a really prime opportunity right now. Yeah, the, the NBA as well as, as hockey. I, I miss my hockey, John. I know it's getting towards the hotter part of the year. You know, we're about to hit, hit June, but right now we should be about Stanley Cup time. So, I mean, same with the NBA playoffs. They both fall. The finals and Stanley Cup usually fall about the same time. So I really hope both of those make a comeback and we can we can figure something out with those two sports. Two of my favorite, uh, even if I'm not, you know, don't even have a little action on them, they're still two of my favorite to sit down and enjoy. Hopefully here in the near future we'll be able to talk more about the NBA, the MLB, and just everything in the sports world. But today we're going to hit on some fantasy football as we are more of a football show here on The Degenerate. We'll talk about a little bit of fantasy and talk about Chiefs players we expect to have big years this year, some things that happened last year, the rankings, and kind of how everything's set, even the rookie class we'll take a look at as well as we move on in today's show. But let's just start with the Kansas City Chiefs and where they finished last year. This is just, we're going to start with just standard scoring in fantasy which is what a lot of leagues go with. 
We'll do more points per, per, per reception. We'll do that as far as DraftKings go and touch on a little bit of that as well. But let's just start in standard. We'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. He only played in 14 games last year, but he still finished ninth of all overall players, even though he missed two games with 291 total points. He averaged 20.9 points per game in fantasy. So Patrick Mahomes, he's still obviously one of the best. Yeah, I'll just start by saying with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's really hard to not have one of those players on on your team when it comes to fantasy, whether it's a wide receiver, whether it is somebody like Patrick Mahomes. You love to have a Kansas City Chiefs player on your team, not only because we cheer for them and we watch them every Sunday, but also because that offense is so high-powered and led by Patrick Mahomes. You know he's going to put up points. He rarely, rarely puts up a, a, a dud of a game. So, I mean, to see him only play in 14 games and still put up the numbers he did is is quite remarkable. The one thing that kind of surprises me that I look at for the Chiefs, Patrick Holmes is obviously their best fantasy player. But number two on that list, Harrison Butker. He was number 56, the number 56 overall fantasy player last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. He finished with 166 fantasy points. He averaged just over 10 per game. So that, that kind of surprised you a little bit. Harrison Butker, I know obviously we're not doing the PPR type league, just a standard league, but Harrison Butker, he's a guy that I think a lot of people might not realize. He may be a guy that you might draft a little bit higher, higher than you would personally think for being a kicker. One thing I've noticed in my fantasy leagues over the past couple of years is everybody tries to make that little reach for the kicker, you know, sixth, seventh round, and it's usually a Justin Tucker, a Will Lutz, uh, Greg the Leg, somebody like that. But one thing you have to take into account is, like we were saying with the Kansas City Chiefs, that offense is so prolific. They score, I mean, almost at will, no matter who they're facing. And when you score points, your kicker is going to get points, whether it's extra points or, you know, 40, 50 yard field goals when they don't score, they're always in scoring position. So, yeah, it's nice to have that kicker like Mr. Automatic, Justin Tucker. But looking at it, you know, Harrison Butker is just as good, if not a better pick, just because of the aspect of the Chiefs are always in the red zone, it seems. Yeah, Butker was actually the best fantasy kicker last year. He was number 56 overall player, 166 points. The next closest was Will Lutz. He was 163, and he was ranked number 61. Behind Butker, then you go down to Travis Kelsey. He was at 65, averaging 9.8 points per game and standard 157 points total then the Chiefs defense and special teams that was down at 92 averaging 136 or actually 136 total averaging eight and a half points per game and then Tyreek Hill he only played in 12 games he's down to 108 and he had 130 total points 10.9 points per game but then you look at the other side if you go into a PPR type of league Mahomes would be number 15 Kelsey would be 33rd overall Hill would be jump all the way up to number 88 at 15.7 points per game, but again, he only averaged 12 points. He he only had 12 games, so in those 15.7 points per game, if you added those and add the four more games like Kelsey had, he'd be right there with Kelsey around that 30 range of fantasy players. Butker 102, Damian Williams 135, Sammy Watkins 138. But then you look at it also, the Chiefs special teams in the defense. They were the number eight overall defense in special teams last year. They averaged eight and a half points per game. So that Chiefs defense, I think as far as fantasy-wise go, they were a little bit better than people thought. Spag really dialed it up last year, uh, especially on second and third down, not allowing many yards more than you know three or four. We did give up a couple plays. The secondary was a little shaky at times. But realistically, when you look at it, next to the New, uh, New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers, those were the two uh, best, if I'm not mistaken. I believe Baltimore's up there as well. But those those three are the best defensive in football, and the Chiefs fall right behind that. So 
for a team that everybody was looking at the offense, like the offense is going to carry the team and you know score all these points and they're going to have to play catch-up, the defense really stepped up, especially in those later games, those playoff games when they really needed to make a stop. They did, and that's why I think the Kansas City Chiefs defense is ranked that high. A d- awesome defensive line. Secondary really really stuck to it and, and started doing really good towards the later end of the year. And if you have the Chiefs defense, I mean, that's not a bad pick to have. So looking at things overall now heading into this year for the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously Patrick Mahomes is going to be above and away the number one quarterback taken. I know me and you both expect that Lamar Jackson might take a little bit of a step back. He was the number one overall player in standard last year with 421 points. He averaged 28 fantasy points per game. But I think everybody expects Patrick Mahomes to be right up there at the top, if not the number one quarterback heading into next year. And then it's... It's kind of a tough decision. Obviously, Travis Kelsey at the tight end spot is never going to be a bad bad player to pick. Four straight seasons of over a thousand yards, and being the number thirty three overall pick as far as fantasy PPR leagues go. So Travis Kelsey, and then you obviously throw Tyree Kill in there. But then after that, it is kind of a toss up because you know Damian Williams. You don't know what the Chiefs are going to do with Edward Zelaya, that rookie pick that from this just this last year. Then you have Sammy Watkins thrown in there as well. Demarcus Robinson. You know, it, it is kind of a question mark for guys after really Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill of guys you would want on your fantasy team. Yeah, I think Mahomes is is above and beyond um, what he's going to do from this previous year. I mean, I understand the kneecap injury, but without the kneecap injury, um, his stats were going to go through the roof the same as Lamar Jackson's did this year. Like you were saying, John, I do think that Lamar Jackson's going to take a little bit of a deter this year. He still might finish in the top 10, top 15, but... To put up the numbers you do about equivalent to of an MVP season is so hard to do. And uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are obviously the one and two options on this team, even with a, a solid running back coming in like Edward Zelaire. And who knows, maybe he's going to be uh, number two, number three just to start up. Maybe he is the starter from day one. Um, who knows what Andy Reid's going to do with the offense. It could go multiple packages with four or five different running backs for all you know with him. But I really hope that uh, he gets his touches. But when you talk about touches in football, you also have to think, what's Sammy Watkins going to do and all these other receivers? And and I think one guy that we that it's not talked about enough is the acquisition the Chiefs had of Ricky Seals-Jones, the tight end out of Cleveland. I think he's going to be a guy that maybe will free things up, even for a Travis Kelsey, even just those guys on the outside, because he is a more than capable pass catcher that I think a lot of guy, people are forgetting about, that the Chiefs did pick him up. That's a huge pickup, I think, for this Chiefs team, and really Andy Reid, a guy that likes to use a lot of two tight end, three tight end sets. Yeah, especially when those tight ends come out on the field and they are pass-catching tight ends, it's really hard to figure out what the Chiefs' offense is going to do. Not only the Chiefs, but all offenses are going to do. But when you have two pass-catching tight ends and a really good running game, you never know if the run's coming or the pass is coming. You get an extra linebacker out of there, and let's be honest, Travis Kelsey is a mismatch for any linebacker in the league for the most part, unless they're an all-pro player. So, honestly, the more weapons you can have on the field, the more mismatches you can create, and... I really think if you give him enough time, Patrick Mahomes can pick apart just about any defense there is. I mean, he showed that over the past two years, an MVP season and then a Super Bowl MVP season right after it. So I really think the the Chiefs' offense is in really good hands with Andy Reid, and they've just added fuel to the fire, uh, for lack of a better term. 
So obviously heading into this year, the Chiefs are going to be one of the, their whole offense is really going to be some of the top players selected in fan, a lot of fantasy drafts, also in DraftKings lineups as well, beginning with Mahomes and talked about Kelsey and Hill. But just overall, looking at fantasy, the landscape as it was, Lamar Jackson, as mentioned, he was the number one overall player in standard fantasy last year. He had 421 total points. The next closest, Christian McCaffrey, the running back out of Carolina, 355. So over 75 more points, nearly 75 more points for Lamar Jackson than Christian McCaffrey has in that number two slot. So Lamar Jackson, as we talked about earlier, he was above and away the best fantasy player from last year. I, I know we talked about earlier too, though. You never know. I mean, Lamar Jackson, he's obviously one of those talents that you don't have very often, but it just seems like the things that he does that some defenses have got to start figuring him out. You got to think this year, especially. Yeah, once you get enough film on somebody, especially when it comes to the running game, I think you can kind of deter it. Not saying that they're going to stop him by any means. I mean, the Ravens is an offense, first offense to average, you know, 200 offense, or rushing and 200 passing yards a game. They were tearing it up all over the field. It didn't really matter which way or how what their game plan was. Your defense wasn't really going to stop it. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a once-in-a-lifetime a talent, and it's nice to see, you know, somebody with the running and passing ability that he has go up against somebody like Patrick Mahomes, who is just a magician. And I honestly, I really wish Lamar Jackson was in the NFC so we could see a couple of these Super Bowls uh, coming up because I really can see the Kansas City and Baltimore in a lot of these AFC championship games coming up, and Lamar Jackson's not going to be a fun player to, to play against. So obviously Lamar Jackson, the number one player, probably heading on a lot of people's boards heading into this year. But the number two guy from the quarterback spot last year, I think is going to be a guy that – a lot of people didn't expect, but Dak Prescott, he was ranked the number two quarterback in fantasy last year. 348 points. He averaged 28.8 points per game. Is Dak Prescott a guy that maybe a lot of people should be looking for heading into this year? Or do you think maybe Dak with the whole con contract situation maybe a guy you want to stay away from? Uh, I'm at a toss-up the same way you are, John. I think it's one of those things like he got the contract so he's trying to prove but is that going to mean he's going to prove too much is he going to try to take extra chances to try to show that he deserved that contract uh, one thing that I would say if you are going to go with Dak Prescott this year you need to try to filter what his weapons are going to be you know with throwing C.D. Lamb in there with Amari Cooper uh, Michael Gallup he's going to have a lot of weapons so if, if you take Dak Prescott that's a great thing because he has a lot of weapons but the players that you're going to choose around him, is it worth taking those players because you know some of their numbers are going to are going to fall a little bit, like Amari Cooper's, Ezekiel Elliott's, people like that, because who knows, maybe they switch to a little bit of a more of a passing game than a running game, or maybe they go to their slot receivers more than their outside receivers. So I would kind of keep an eye on that. I wouldn't have a problem taking Dak if the if the price was right. Uh, I don't think he's a like a first, second round pick by any means. I think you can find quarterbacks in the later rounds. Uh, pretty easy that can put up the same numbers as him but uh, who knows right now with with Dak if he's going to try to make it so that he can show that his he's worth his contract or if he's going to be a dud this year now let's make a switch and go to look at look at the running back situation heading into this year obviously last year run CMC he's always going to be that guy that is picked if not number one one of the top two or three picks of every fantasy draft, he was the number two overall player from last year, even in a standard league, 355 points and 22.2 total. He was the number one player overall, if you go from a PPR standpoint, 
Then the next running back, Derrick Henry, obviously had a huge season last year, 276 fantasy points, 18 points a game for Derrick Henry. Then it drops off. You have a guy like Aaron Jones for the running back for the Green Bay Packers, and then Zeke Elliott as well. So it seems like kind of those top four, five running backs are pretty much the same ones we've talked about the last couple of years, starting with Cap McCaffrey, and then guys like Derrick Henry, Zeke Elliott, and now also Aaron Jones thrown in there with the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I don't think you can go wrong with uh, any of the running backs chosen. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, the only thing i got to say about him is, I remember a couple of years back when Le'Veon Bell was with the Steelers and yep. he wanted first first running back money, but he wanted number two receiver money at the yep. same time. Mm-hmm. If there's one running back in the league that deserves that, it's Christian McCaffrey. In my opinion, he is the best overall weapon in the NFL. Well, because I'm like you. I mean, I don't... He, he to me, McCaffrey is one of the rare guys that I've seen in the last few years. He can legitimately take over a game. I mean, we've seen him legitimately take over football games for the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, they haven't had the greatest record the last couple of years, but he's just like you mentioned. He seems like a guy that can take over a game. Yeah, he's kept them in a lot of games. I mean, when you look at the Cam Newton situation, Cam Newton just is in his own mind can't figure out what was really going on with that whole situation. They bring in Kyle Allen, who's Okay, like, you know, who's this guy, Kyle Allen, whatever, it doesn't matter. Christian McCaffrey is carrying that offense and they're scoring points. And especially when you're looking at the, like, the NFC South, you're going to have to go play, uh, you know, Atlanta and New Orleans, Tampa Bay twice a year. I mean, that's not a an easy division to get out of. So, yeah, the, maybe the win-loss record doesn't look like it should, but just talking strictly fantasy-wise, that's a guy you want on your team. Uh, hands down, bar none. So now let's go ahead and take a look at some guys as far as maybe some sleepers, some hot or cold guys that you have going into next year. I know there's a couple of guys that we think that we look at that might have a little bit of a fall off from last year. I know obviously Jameis Winston being one of those. He was the number four overall player from last year with uh, down in Tampa Bay, but now obviously the backup for the New Orleans Saints. He's obviously not going to be as big of a player as he was last year. But what are a couple of guys as far as guys that you feel like are going to take a step back? Uh, before I hop into that, I'm just going to make a Jameis comment. I do, did really want to see, before the Tom Brady trade, I did want to see what he would actually do now that he got his eyes fixed. Now that he's got the, the LASIK <laughs> surgery and can actually find out um, who the run, <laughs> who the uh, linebackers and running backs are, he can actually distinguish uh, those guys. I think it would be a little interesting. He might not throw as many picks. Maybe he throws more. Who knows? Uh, but a couple guys that I think are going to take a little downfall this year, Lamar Jackson, not by much. I just think it's hard to – repeat an MVP season the way he did, like we just talked about. Another guy uh, to start quarterback-wise is uh, Deshaun Watson. I think he still has a lot of weapons down there in Houston, but Bill O'Brien, in my opinion, I don't think he really knows what's going on down there. And then the the whole uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins deal, you're taking away his number one receiver. I don't think he's going to be a top top ten quarterback or top ten player uh, in fantasy if you don't have a number one receiver to really give the ball to. What do you think there? Um, I, I agree. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of people haven't talked about. They talked about the trade when it first happened, but when you look at that Houston offense, that Sean Watson, when he was in trouble, who was the guy he went to? DeAndre Hopkins. It's the same situation when you look at, say, the Saints and Michael Thomas. Who does Drew Brees go to when he's in a pinch? Michael Thomas. It's the same situation, I feel like, for Houston. Granted, you still have guys like Will Fuller for Deshaun Watson, and I think just his athletic ability alone is still going to be fine, but it's hard not to sit there and think that Deshaun Watson in the Houston Texans offense is going to take a step back with that loss of DeAndre Hopkins. 
and I know we've we've kind of bumped heads on this a couple times with who's the best receiver in football is. In my opinion, it is DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think they, he's one of the best route runners. He's big, lengthy, and he catches everything. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him drop a pass. I mean, he's like Larry Fitzgerald to me. I know everybody has their idea of the the Michael Thomases and the Julio Jones and everything, but still. If you're talking top three in the league, you got to go DeAndre Hopkins, and they gave him away for a bag of potato chips. So I don't really know why, you know, I don't see where Deshaun's going to come out and have this breakout season without him. Um, moving on to the next quarterback I see is these kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. It's a quarterback-wide receiver combo. I think it's Garner Minshew and DJ Chark. I love DJ Chark. I think he's an, an awesome, awesome wide receiver. But I do think Jacksonville is on the verge of tanking this year. If the season starts off 0-2, 0-3, they might just tank out and – I think they're going to try to get that Trevor Lawrence pick next year. I mean, can you I mean, can you blame them? I mean, granted, you went into last year, you didn't expect Minshew to do what he did after losing Nick Foles there in that opening game. But, I mean, Minshew came in, he did what he was supposed to do early. Teams then started figuring him out, and he kind of took a step back. I agree that's a team that especially just – they just seem like they don't really know what they're doing the last couple of years. They had that one really good year a couple of years ago where they made the playoff run, but then – it, they just look they looked dysfunctional last year. I don't know about you, but they just seemed like a very dysfunctional team. Yeah, they didn't really know what they were going to do on offense after they lost Nick Foles. And then, like you said, ever since they made the AFC Championship game and kind of kind of just threw that game away, they completely fired, sailed that whole defense, you know, giving everybody away. You can have here, you can have here. We'll trade them for draft picks. And at the end of the day, I think they are the most dysfunctional team, even though their record didn't – didn't show that they were the worst team in the league. I think this year is the year where they start off with a bad year, 0-1, 0-2, 0-3. They could just say, you know what, we're just going to pack in the bags. Everybody enjoy your uh, tax-free or state tax-free uh, paychecks at home at home games, and uh, we'll look forward to 2021. I mean, can you blame him, too, wanting to get Trevor Lawrence? And I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the most highly touted quarterbacks, if not players in general coming out of college. I mean, people saying that even last year they think he could have been one of the top two or three quarterbacks taken off the board. So that's really not a bad option. Obviously, you never want to tank if you're a fan of the fan base of your team. But getting Trevor Lawrence as a consolation prize, that's not a bad thing. The kid's just a stud, I'm hands down. And when you talk about just breeding players the way Clemson does, you know, the way Alabama does, LSU does, places like that, I mean, Dabo Sweeney is, is one one heck of a coach, and to have him as your you know quarterback coach and leader, it's hard to say you know this guy's not going to do well in the NFL when he comes from a background like that. I mean, the Dabo seems like he's always in the in the argument for a national championship every year. So you know the kid's a winner. You know he's somebody that is built to be an NFL player. And if it was for if it wasn't for the age restrictions, I think he would have been a first rounder this year uh, by far. Now, the last person I have on my cold list, John, I think it's just uh, Amari Cooper. He's just fell out of the top 50 in non-PPR leagues and standards. Uh, he's at 53 uh, at the chart I'm looking at right now. But I think he's going to take just a little bit of a deter this year, and I think that comes just from the C.D. Lamb pickup. I think they are going to have to give him the ball. When you, when you find somebody like that at 18, 19, that just drops in your lap and you pick the best available player, I know that they were looking for that uh, that safety from – I know it was a linebacker from uh, LSU, and they said, we have to go with C.D. Lamb. I mean, he's the best player on the board, so they did. I think you have to give him give him the ball. You have to – I mean, you're going to pay him that much money over the next four or five years. You might as well give him give him the ball. So I think Amari Cooper might, might find a drop. He might land in the 70s, maybe 80s later this year. Don't get me wrong, Amari Cooper still 
still a great receiver. I do think he's going to lose a couple catches a game to C.D. Lamb. And, right, that's something we want to make apparent here. We're not saying don't draft these guys if they are available on your board. These are just guys that we think are going to take a little bit of a step back. We're not saying they're still not going to be first, second, third-round picks, but we're just saying the guys that we look at, you always have to look at from the year before, of situations, how things change as far as injuries, players signing with other teams, drafting, anything like that. Just just got things you have to look at when you're going into fantasy, and there's just a couple guys we expect. Take a little bit of a drop back. Nothing big, nothing major, but just guys that you have to be a parent of their whole situation, quarterback, coach, everything heading into next year. But I know you also have a few guys that you look at and some guys that might take a step up and be far away a little bit better than they were last year as well. Yeah, we we got some heaters on the board, and I'm going to try to burn through them because there's a, a decent amount of them, and some of them go hand-in-hand hand with one another. But uh, if you have a, have an opinion, John, just just step in. Uh, first is just is Patrick Mahomes, like we talked about earlier. He only played in 14 games. If he has those other two games, he's going to finish as a top-five player. I mean, I think he's going to go back to an MVP-like season. Is he going to throw for 5,050 touchdowns? Who knows? I think he's going to be right around that 43 to 4,700 mark uh, pretty easy. Uh, next player I got is Derrick Henry. Everybody and their sister knew that Tennessee was going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, and they still couldn't stop it. I mean, Derrick, Derrick Henry's in the unstoppable force, and there's rarely any defenses in the league that are uh, immovable objects. So Derrick Henry's just a guy. I actually had him on my team last year. I picked him up in, like, third round as a steal. And later in the season, it was he was a 200-yard machine uh, almost every game. It was crazy. Uh, next, next two goes hand-in-hand uh, hand goes Tom Brady and uh, Mike Evans. I think, honestly, the same way with the Chiefs, if you have anybody on the on Tampa Bay's offense, I think it's going to be a, be a really good pickup no matter where you really get them at. And this is one that's also kind of an interesting thing you look at, but it's not just a simple fact of bringing in Tom Brady. It's the whole system change to me that I look at because, you know, in, in New England, yes, Tom threw the ball, but it was a lot of checkdowns. Also, he handed the ball off. He had some good running backs. He was able to hand the ball off. But in the system, like he's going to see in Tampa Bay that likes to throw the ball, obviously we saw that last year with what Jameis Winston did. Despite all the interceptions, he ended up being the number four player last year at the end of the season. I mean, Tom Brady, just fantasy-wise, you look at the numbers, has to take a step up. And then you give him guys like Mike Evans and that whole entire offense I mean, that that just speaks for itself. You'd almost be stupid not to think that Tom Brady is not going to be one of the top three to five quarterbacks in the NFL as far as fantasy goes. I was confused last year in my fantasy draft that is one of my longer fantasy uh, leagues that I've been in. Uh, Tom Brady wasn't even drafted, and as soon as, the, as soon as it ended, one guy just hopped in there and picked up Tom Brady, and he didn't have to really give up anything for it, and I... I had to think about it for a second, and I said, why didn't anybody draft Tom Brady? Well, it looked like the New England offense was starting to fall apart. They weren't putting weapons around him. But this year, I mean, especially with bringing Gronk back, if he has to check down, you have arguably the one of the best tight ends of all time uh, because of his stature, how big he is, and just how big of a playmaker he is. It's He's a mismatch no matter how big your safety is, no matter how big your linebackers are. He's the same way Travis Kelsey is. Maybe not as flashy, maybe not as as, uh, as nimble, as Travis Kelsey, but he's that big body in the, in the paint that you, that you want, and uh, I just think that Tampa Bay has a has a really good shot of being a, a superior offense in this league. And I know a lot of people may look at what we're saying and say, "Well, you're just jumping on the same band, bandwagon that everybody else is on," but you you have to. I mean, you have the greatest quarterback of all time, arguably, in Tom Brady, going to an offense that has the weapons of you know Gronk, 
Mike Evans, O.J. Howard. I mean, all of those guys at the, at the tight end spot, the receiver spot. It, I mean, you'd just be stupid not to sit there and think that Tom Brady is going to have a huge year at the quarterback spot. Yeah, and for the people that say, you know, you're just hopping on the bandwagon for they're going to be a good good team because they got Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, system quarterback, all that. All I can say is Tom Brady and Gronk have rings because of that. And, yeah, it comes down to X's and O's on the play sheet, but there are things that you can't teach that just happen on the field. And some of these things Tom Brady and Gronk did to win these Super Bowls, that's just something that you can't teach. It's not an X's and O's thing. It's not that these meetings that you have on Saturday before the game with all your coaches. Like, that is something that – you know, sometimes it's impro- improvisation during the play. Sometimes it's audibles before the play. And I really think that with those two hand-in-hand leading that offense as well as, you know, Mike Evans being a top five, top ten receiver in the league. you got Chris Godwin who's one of the fastest receivers in the league. You can, you know, take the top off any defense. Got two solid running backs. It's hard to say, you know, oh, well, Tampa Bay is going to be an average, average offense. And I know it's all hearsay, you know, we're – Oh well, we're just going to plug and play players and see how it goes. But I really think that this Tampa Bay offense is something that teams are going to have to watch out for this year. And obviously, it is going to come down to what that offensive line does as well. I know it's a big question mark heading into the year for Tampa Bay, but you got to think that that whole offense, anybody you pick from that offense, is going to have a big year as far as fantasy goes. But let's just roll through the final couple of guys you have that are going to take a step up. We'll just roll through this one quickly and we'll move on to the rookie class. Okay, uh, the next four, I think. Yeah, four I have are all running backs. I got Austin Eckler. Uh, I know they're trying to figure out the running back or the uh, quarterback situation uh, there in Los Angeles, but Eckler basically took Gordon's job, and it was apparent to see he was the the better dual threat when it came to the running and passing game. Loved Austin Eckler. Uh, Saquon Barkley. Saquon only uh, played in 13 games, and he was still averaging about 15 points a game. And let's be honest, the dude has tree trunks for legs. You're not taking him down unless you're bringing an army with you. Uh, Saquon's just, he's a stud. I still think he's a first-round pick in anybody's league if you want to go the running back route. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, I think Joe Mixon's going to have a, a breakout year just because of the uh, Joe Burrow pickup. I think that Joe Burrow is going to create a lot of mismatches in the passing game and you know pick some things apart that's going to open up the running game more. They tried to use Joe Mixon in opportunities and and <laughs> the way that they used him last year was, you know what, we have nothing else to do, let's just run the ball. And he would get like two yards of carry, and I would have I had him on my fantasy team, and I'd watch it. It'd be eleven carries for thirty-two yards and one touchdown, and I was just sitting there pulling my uh, pulling my hair out. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you have eleven carries for thirty yards. Well, when they had nothing else to do, <laughs> what did they do? Oh, let's just you know, let's go dive right with Joe Mixon and see how it goes. Like, the offenses don't know you're going there. Right. Like, I don't know. I think he's gonna have a. I think if when you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow who can actually throw the ball and make defenses scared of him, I think that opens up a lot of uh, a lot of ground for your running back. And my last running back is uh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs having a, a breakout year as a rookie. I think, uh, I think he's a stud. I think especially when you look at the quarterback situation in uh, Las Vegas. Now it's so hard not to say Oakland. Uh, when you look at the quarterback situation in Las Vegas, I think it comes down to when they – don't have anything left. They're going to go back to the the Josh Jacobs thing because he was such a premier back for them, and arguably was was the rookie of the year last year. Yeah, I mean that that's obviously one that I think a lot of people are going to look at heading into next year, especially just because you know at the beginning of the year you didn't know what you were going to get from the rookie, but he ends up having that breakout year. But before we can move on to the rookie class, I know we said we were going to, but one more. I want to get to something that 
I think I, a lot of people are wondering too. There's a lot of guys that are question marks heading into this year, and that's as fantasy owners. I know drafting that can either make or break your team, but it's that could be the difference in, in losing a a fantasy league or winning it. I know just a couple guys. I'm going to rattle them off, and I'll get your thoughts, Dustin. But I mean, guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean. You look at even like a Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland, just quarterback-wise, those are three or four guys that I think there's a lot of people look at. They don't know what they're going to get from those guys. Yeah, it's one of those things where you kind of have to sit back and think, do I really want to want to pick these guys up? Uh, another couple, couple that I looked at was, what's Julian Edelman going to do in New England? Uh, is Jared Siddham really going to give him the ball that much? We really don't know much about Jared Siddham. And then Austin Hooper going to Cleveland as well, uh, like you were saying with the Baker Mayfield thing. They're giving Baker Mayfield all the, the chance in the world. And I, I personally like Baker Mayfield. Not I shouldn't say necessarily as a player. I like him as a, as a person. I think he's an, an awesome person, an awesome leader. I think that as a quarterback and what they're doing for Cleveland, they gave him, gave him and are giving him all the chance in the world to bring in these superstars to play with him, and they still can't find a way to put the ball in the end zone. So I don't know about Hooper. I don't know about him. The whole Cleveland offense, like even Od- Odell Beckham, he's a top receiver when you talk about possession receiver, but fantasy-wise, I'm staying away from him. And I think one guy you mentioned was Baker Mayfield. He's a guy that, I hate to say it, but I, I feel like he could be one of those guys that could take a really big step forward this year. I, he's just, he tries so, he's a guy that you know cares about the game. Because, I mean, we, we know a guy that played in the Big 12 that talked about facing Baker Mayfield at Kansas State when he was at Kansas State playing against Baker Mayfield when he was at Oklahoma. He said Baker Mayfield was the toughest guy he'd ever faced just because of the simple fact of the heart and determination that Baker Mayfield had in his, his just his demeanor of he wanted to go out there and he wanted to put 60 points on the board every time he faced you. So I feel like Baker Mayfield is one of those guys that we might be able to slide into that spot of a guy that could take a real big step forward this year just for the simple fact of he went through all that adversity a year ago and he's been through adversity basically his entire quarterback career. He seems like a guy that really could possibly take that extra step and be one of the top premier quarterbacks in the league, maybe top 10 probably. That's probably a ceiling, I would say, probably top 10 for Baker Mayfield. Like I said, I'm not I'm not against the guy. I, I, don't, I think he's an awesome guy, awesome leader. I just... As a quarterback, I'm I'm not really sure. Um, when we were talking to the the same guy, he had he had mentioned that on the college football field, Baker Mayfield was the only one who demanded that attention. He demanded his offense to listen to him, and he said there was never a a doubt in the mind. Like he he would go and he would step on the field, and you could feel his presence because he would, he controlled an offense so well. And there wasn't another quarterback in the Big Twelve that could do that like him. So you know that he can do that with an NFL offense. It's the the fact is this the the Cleveland Browns organization as a whole are they are they doomed are they you know just in turmoil like what is really going on with that do they need to bring in you know new offensive coordinators do they need to bring in different players maybe not some stars some divas whatever's going on but like you said with all the weapons around him it's hard to say to say that Baker Mayfield's not going to have a breakout season or even a better season that he than he has been doing but until he he shows that he's a he's a show improved player I would personally I would leave him on the free agents list if he gets a couple couple heaters going maybe try to pick him up with your waiver or something and these are some guys obviously we'll talk more about as the season picks up and also training camp when you get more of an idea of you know where teams rank certain guys in their system and as far as depth charts and everything that goes we'll hit on that when we get closer towards training camp and also the start of the 2020 season hopefully 
on time. It sounds like a lot of owners and GMs expect the season to start on time, so we'll hope for the best in that. But now let's move on to this rookie class. We'll end things with this. Just kind of taking a look at the rookie class and some guys and guys ranked highly, guys we think that could possibly make some big moves and make some big additions to some teams. Starting just looking at the rankings, the number one overall rookie ranked heading into next year is DeAndre Swift, drafted by the Detroit Lions out of Georgia. DeAndre Swift is a guy that I think when the Chiefs picked, a lot of people think one of the Chiefs to pick a guy like DeAndre Swift just because of the things he did at Georgia. DeAndre Swift, he's a guy that I think could make a big impact, especially on a team like Detroit that just needs a playmaker. Yeah, they definitely need somebody to help out Matt Stafford. He can't just sling the ball, you know, 40, 50 times a game. They need that solid running back to to really, you know, punch it in when they get close, when they get down into the red zone and give defensive, you know, get them guessing a little bit to where it's not a pass, pass, pass situation. You actually have somebody who can run between the tackles and be a one, two, or three, and he can also catch the ball out of the backfield. So I really think I really think he's a solid pickup, and uh, especially if you're getting him, I believe, in the second round. Yeah. Yeah, get, picking him up in the second round. Yeah, because Clyde went in the right. first round. I don't know why I wasn't thinking about that. But, but especially for picking up in the second round, Detroit got a steal there, and I think he, he is going to be one of the players to watch out for, especially with the rookies. Don't know where exactly you're going to pick him up at, but – if he's on the board and you don't like any of the other running backs there, I'd definitely take him. Maybe a guy you maybe take a flyer. I mean, these a lot of these rookies are probably guys you might you probably take some flyers on. Now the next guy we're talking about Jonathan Taylor in Indy. He's a guy that's probably one of the biggest question marks just for the simple fact of you look at Indy and you got a guy like Mar- Marlon Mack who's done a lot of great things for that offense. Probably Jonathan Taylor is maybe the biggest question mark heading into next year. But then you move on to a guy like the Chiefs picked up in Edward Zelaer. I don't know if Peep is me might do as well as a lot of people expect him to do. It might take him a year or so, but it's hard to not believe that Edward Zelaer isn't going to be a big part of this offense, especially with the Chiefs picking him in the first round. I think they'll have him in a couple packages here and there. I don't necessarily think he will be the the first starter coming off, and everybody's like, "Well, well, he's a he's a first round pick. You have to go with him." Well, you can also have him on a four year contract, so you might as well. Let him sit the same way you were talking about Jonathan Taylor. Don't rush him anything. You have Marlon Mack, you know, maybe get him in there for a couple packages, get his feet wet, and if he has a couple breakout games, a couple breakout possessions, go ahead and give him some more touches. But uh, with Edwards Elaire, maybe it's one of those things where you, you sit back, let him sit behind Damian Williams. Damian Williams is going to have that contract expire at the end of the year, and that then it becomes your number one running back. The same way Patrick Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, learned the offense, and now you see where he's at. So I think it could be one of those things, or who knows, maybe he is the premier back. They make more packages for him than Damian because they know that Damian's kind of out of the out of the door, and uh, they figure it out from there. The final running back of the rookie class, we'll talk about J.K. Dobbins going to Baltimore. That's another guy that kind of a question mark because you look at Baltimore, they have a guy like Mark Ingram, but J.K. Dobbins may be a guy that's worth taking a flyer on just for the simple fact that if Baltimore has some of the blowouts like they had last year, J.K. Dobbins might be able to get in there, get some more touches, and do some big numbers as a rookie heading into next year. I mean, I mean, that's just the way I look at J.K. Dobbins. I don't think he's going to be the feature guy for Baltimore. It's still going to be Mark Ingram, but I, I mean, I don't know. That's just the way I look at it. It seems like Dobbins is going to be mainly a guy that maybe a third down back and a guy that you use in a blowout situation. He's scary. I I loved him at, at Ohio State. I really thought that that's where the Chiefs were going to go if they decided to go with a running back. I, I like J.K. Dobbins a lot. Really upset that Baltimore got him. You know, just more uh, more fuel to that offensive fire. And who knows? Like we talked about Lamar Jackson dropping down points. Maybe those points are going to J.K. Dobbins because you know you have your uh, your Mark Ingram and 
he's going to be the premier back, but who knows if they run a two running back set, three running back set, and they just they pound the ball so much. Who knows where they're going to go, if they're just going to be like floating running backs in and out, floating tight ends in and out. You have no idea where the ball is going to go. The same way the Chiefs do with receivers, they might do it with running backs. So, honestly, out of the, the three that we've talked about, other than Swift being a premier back, I really think that, that Dobbins is worth taking a flyer on just because that offense is just as – if not more, just as prolific as the Kansas City offense when it comes to the running game. And the only quarterback they have ranked and that we have ranked in the top ten as far as the rankings we have looked up is Joe Burrow, obviously the number one overall pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. But I'm Joe Burrow, I mean, Cincinnati, you don't really know what you're going to get, so that's kind of a question mark. That might be a guy you wait a few weeks and maybe pick him up on the waiver and also somebody you might even give him the full year to see what he does this year. But the one guy that I think is the biggest question mark from the rookie quarterback spot is Tua out of Alabama down there in Miami. Do you feel like that Miami is going to give him the reins from day one, or it is still going to be, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick's show to start? That's a tough one because Ryan Fitzmagic has had two of the best, one of the best games I had ever seen from a quarterback and one of the worst games I had ever seen from a quarterback, and I'm pretty sure they were like two weeks apart. One of them was like five interceptions in the first half, and the other one was five touchdowns in the whole game. So it – when you look at him, he's a, he's a really smart quarterback, and I think they still have him around to kind of teach Tua uh, that offense and try to uh, figure that whole system. If you come from an Alabama system with uh, dealing with Nick Saban, I, I'm pretty sure you can figure out an NFL system. I shouldn't say easily, but it should be. It makes things easier for yeah, sure, yeah. Definitely, and so I think they're going to keep him around. Maybe he does sit, but when you burn a draft pick that high for him, same with same with Joe Burrow. Like you knew Andy Dalton was going to be out of out of town because they were going to move on to the uh, to the Joe Burrow era. I think that's what they're eventually going to do with the two era. If he catches on quick enough, who knows? He might be taking those snaps. If he doesn't, he might you know sit a year. They got him on a five year contract, so they or four year and a, a fifth year option, so they might as well. And now we'll move on and finish things up with the rookie wide receiver class. We talked about C.D. Lamb. We won't mention much on him. C.D. Lamb with the Dallas Cowboys, obviously probably going to be a big focal point in that offense. And I know that there's a lot of people that didn't think C.D. would fall that far, but he does. And Jerry Jones makes the pick of C.D. Lamb. That's probably going to be big for the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott. But also inside of the division in the AFC West for the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at Denver picking up Jerry Judy. That's a big one for Drew Locke. And then Henry Ruggs for the Raiders as well. Well, those are two big-name guys that in that rookie class that were the top-ranked receivers heading into the draft that go to teams in the AFC West. And I know we talked about it last week on the Degenerate, but teams are starting to kind of figure out to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You might have to outscore them, and those are two guys that are definitely going to help both Denver and and Las Vegas in doing just that. Yeah, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, when you look at those two players, when they were playing for Alabama – they were running rock, paper, scissors routes to see who was running the touchdown route, and both those players have the ability to take it to the house on a, a little three-yard slant, a little one-yard hitch. It doesn't doesn't really matter to them uh, with their speed and just athletic ability. So within the division, I think it is going to be tough. We're going to have to tighten down the defense a lot to handle somebody like Jerry Judy and uh, Henry Ruggs, especially with how fast Ruggs is. But the quarterback situations is like when you're looking at the Marcus Mariota, Derek Carr thing – Who's really going to have the reins there? And then at Denver, I mean, they're they're putting all their eggs in the basket with Drew Locke. So you're really hoping that Drew Locke is, is going to come out ahead. I don't have much to say on the, the Jerry Judy thing. I think it does deter what Cortland Sutton's going to do this year if they give Jerry Judy the rock a little bit more than uh, than Cortland Sutton. And maybe they will just because, you know, Sutton had a, had a great year last year. So Denver Denver's offense is starting to, starting to pick up a little bit. 
and I really think that Judy's going to be a huge part of it uh, this year. Uh, where else did you go with that? Uh, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, I think, for for him being at 18, I don't understand how he dropped that far. To me, he was the best receiver in the draft. I think he should have been drafted first over uh, first receiver overall because he has that playmaking ability that Judy and Ruggs have. He might not be the fastest guy in the world, but we've seen it at Oklahoma, especially being here in the Midwest watching Big 12 football. Every time he touched the ball, you thought he was going to the end zone. And there's very few players that play college football that every time they touch the rock, you think that they're going to score. And CeeDee Lamb's one of them. I really think the Dallas Cowboys got an absolute steal with him. And I think one thing, too, with CeeDee Lamb, as you talked about at Oklahoma, the one thing that I think uh, what sets him apart from a lot of these rookie receivers, too, is his route running. I mean, his route running, as a lot of people, a lot of the experts in the NFL talked about, it is NFL ready. That's something that, you know, a lot of rookies sometimes, that's what they need to get sharper on is the head in the NFL their rookie year. But CeeDee Lamb is a guy that he doesn't need that. He has the speed. He has the route running. Maybe it's the strength thing that you look at for CeeDee Lamb that might hold him back a little bit. But when you look at him as a whole, as a wide receiver and a speedster like the Dallas really needed and was going to help that team, he's a prototypical guy that you would want and a guy that just really fell into the lap of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Yeah, when you said about the route running, I completely agree with that 100%. Most rookies that come in as wide receivers – they don't really have to focus on route running. Like They can work on it through the first one or two years because they usually get hidden into schemes where they pop out of nowhere like a Hollywood Brown or something where they run a drag and up route or something like that where they just happen to be open at the end of it. They are not premier route runners where they go run your traditional 7- to 12-yard hitch route and you know catch it as soon as it's coming out of the thing because when they look at it, they're still trying to develop their skills that they're learning from these other receivers that have already been in the NFL. But like you said with CeeDee Lamb, he already has that. He doesn't have to be that guy who they have to sneak into a package, maybe run him in motion, try to confuse the defense or something. Like, he can be the number one receiver if he really had to be, you know, say Amari Cooper goes down. You might be able to move him out to that number one spot, and I don't think there would be much of a difference if, if he was out there and he had that same playmaking ability that he had at Oklahoma. Yeah, he's definitely going to be a guy that as a defense going up against the Cowboys, you're going to have right at the top, if not one of the top receivers on your board when you look at as far as guys you have to defend. So C.D. Lamb, we expect big things out of him here in his rookie campaign with the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to wrap things up for the second episode of The Degenerate. Dustin, do you have any more thoughts before we wrap things up here with fantasy football? Uh, My last thing that I have to say is – A.J. Brown for Tennessee, the wide receiver, I think that he had a very solid argument for Rookie of the Year last year, especially for having Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. A lot of people will say about the you know Kyler Murray and Josh Jacobs, I think A.J. Brown made a very, very strong run towards the end for uh, Rookie of the Year. And I'm not going to say that it shouldn't, it should have went to him, but I would say that there, he should have at least got a couple votes. He definitely made a big difference in that Tennessee team and that run they made in the playoffs. He's a guy that we expect to also have another big year here in 2020. Hopefully we'll start the season again on time. But again, that wraps things up for Episode 2 of The Degenerate. Thank you for joining with us. Stay tuned with us. Next week we'll have another episode. We'll talk more of sports in general. Hopefully we'll have more good news as far as sports getting back underway around the United States and have more good news as far as things we can bet on as The Degenerate. That's what we do here on the show. We'll try to give you some more picks and go from there. But for Dustin Gosa joining alongside of me, I am Johnny Kane, and that's episode number two of The Degenerate here on Arrowhead Live Podcast, arrowheadlive.com.